three Treasure Island Development Authority Board meeting. The TIDA board and its committees are convening hybrid meetings that will allow in-person attendance and public comment while still providing remote access and public comment by telephone. Public comment will be taken for each item on the agenda. Those attending in person will be heard first, followed by those joining remotely by phone. For remote public comment, the call-in number is 415-655-0001. The access code is 2660-901-3079. Then press pound and press pound again. When your item of interest is called, dial star three to be added to the queue to speak. Remote public comment will be limited to 20 minutes per agenda item. When public comment is called on your item of interest, those joining in person should line up to speak at the podium and those on the telephone should dial star three to also be added to the queue. Each speaker may address the board once per agenda item for up to two minutes. You will hear a chime indicating you have 30 seconds remaining and a second chime when your two minutes are up. At this time, your microphone will be muted for the sake of equity. Item number one, call to order. Director Sen? Here. Director Dunlop? Here. Director Richardson? Here. Director Breston? Here. Director Howard? Here. Director Azim? Director Reif? Present. We do have a quorum. Wonderful, and I'm so glad to see all the board members here today in person. <laughs> this is just terrific, and welcome to the audience here. Um, so we'll go to, directly to the next item, please. Item number two, general public comment. This item is to allow members of the public to address the Treasure Island Development Authority Board on matters that are within the subject matter jurisdiction of the Authority Board and that do not appear on today's agenda. In addition to general public comment, public comment will be held during each item on the agenda. Okay, is there anybody who wishes to address the board on items not on the agenda? So seeing none, are there any people on the There is no phone? remote public comment. Okay. Next item, please. Item number three, report by Treasure Island Director. Okay. Thank you. Bob, go ahead. Thank you, Chair Tsen, members of the board. Um, I'd like to begin today by inviting Shante Lewis to give an update on the programs of the YMCA as, as we return to the new school year. Hello. Hi, thank you for having me, per usual. Uh, so since I last spoke with you all, we finished summer camp on Treasure Island. Uh, this year we had 70 youth in attendance with about maybe six of them uh, being former island residents. So it was the highest enrollment that we had to date. Uh, at the end of the summer, through some funding, we were able to provide all the families with either a $500 gift card or a $250 gift card, depending on their attendance, to help them get started for the school year and to whatever the family needs might be. <clears throat> we also did some work to make sure some kids had backpacks and, and <clears throat> for National Night Out, and including some families who needed some uh, after-school clothes for their kids. So we did uh, make sure we provided that for the community. We then transitioned into after-school program to where now we have 24 kids enrolled, which is averaging about 19 kids every day. Uh, this is also the highest that we've had in after-school program in a very long time, and we still are getting applications every day. So we hope at the end of this year, we will be up to about 35 uh, if everything keeps going well. So we wanna continue just to build off of that. 
in an after-school program, typical free program for the community, offer other incentives. But then outside of what we do there, we're also starting, we're bringing back our swim program for the youth. So uh, starting in October, we'll be offering swim lessons, uh, K through eight for the youth. Uh, free lessons every eight weeks, we'll rotate in a new group and we take them down to Embarcadero YMCA for lessons. And there's about six different levels before they're considered to be a proficient swimmer. So we range from level one to six, any age group is free. And for the first time this year, we're actually gonna start family uh, swim lessons or group lessons just so the parents can be comfortable in the water with their kids in the water. Uh, that'll be a November program, but we are in the process of getting that, getting that going. So that's kind of what we're offering for the youth uh, currently right now. And then on the, uh, on the um, health and wellness side, we continue to bring in new equipment, uh, whether it's bands or updated machinery just to make improvements around the facility. If you haven't been there, when you come, you'll see that, like I mentioned before, the lights are different, the, the walls have been painted, and we're continuing to beautify the building as much as possible. We are averaging, <clears throat> our members are up in the building, so we are, right now we're only five, open five days a week, but we are in the process of hiring, and we will be open six days a week starting October 2nd. Uh, that's the first Monday in October, so we'll go back to six days a week. And on top of that, we hired our first group X instructor, so we've been talking about at group exercise class. We hired a yoga instructor. They'll be doing their first class this Saturday, and we're still looking to have a strength uh, instructor as well as a um, Zumba instructor. But that's some of the things that we got in, in motion right now. Outside of that, we're just planning events with one Treasure Island, and then just trying to do our best. Thank you. Thank you, Shante. Um, I'd like to also ask Sherry Williams to, to give an update on activities of One Treasure Island. Good afternoon, Commissioner. Sherry Williams, Co-Executive Director of One Treasure Island. Just want to give a shout out to Shiante and the YMCA. They're just an amazing island partner and we're so grateful for all their hard work. She's here with her, I don't know if he's called his co-director, but Trey as well. And uh, just wanted to show our gratitude to the Y. Um, we had a national night out event um, that was once again very well attended. Um, it really is one of the, I think, the premier national night outs in the city in terms of participation of everybody really coming together. National night out is about learning who your neighbors are, creating a safe and um, a neighborhood. And through this kind of activity, um, I think um, that Treasure Island has really shown that it is a, a stellar neighborhood in the ways that um, the neighborhood comes together. And it's not just a national night out, but we have a Halloween party coming up at the YMCA. And I, just to, you know, it's the Parent Council, it's Marseille, it's United States Services, it's the Treasure Island Development Authority, it's the museum, it's Catholic Charities, it's Home Rise, it's PCL, it's uh, the Island Cove Market, it's the fire department. Everybody comes together for these events and it really is I, I, just a tremendous um, example of how the community supports each other. So Halloween party is on October 25th from 5 to 8 p.m. And this year we're gonna be featuring a Dia de los Muertos ofrenda um, as well. So we're really um, excited about that. Um, we are currently have our, ooh, I think it's our 16th con uh, construction training program cohort. Um, we had 13 folks and now we have 12. However, the 13th was a homeless gentleman 
who got housing at Maceo May because he had, was a veteran, and then mid-cohort uh, got hired by a contractor to work as a carpenter. Oh, so we're very excited that he was able to uh, graduate early and have this uh, tremendous um, um, outcome. And um, so the graduation is on October 13th. And you all are always invited. It starts at 11 a.m. at the Ship Shape. Um, another thing that we're starting to do is um, this orientation. It's, it was initially thought of for new residents, but then we were like, well, all residents on the island could really appreciate it. We have put together this welcome packet that says all of the different services and activities on the island, the businesses, all of the transportation options there are. And, um, and so we have a packet, and so we're, and so we're gonna have these quarterly orientations. Um, twice a year they'll be in person at the Ship Shape, and twice a year they'll be on Zoom. So for people that can't come in person, they'll have the Zoom option, and for people who would prefer to come in person, they'll have an in-person option. And that is gonna be kicked off on September 28th at six o'clock um, p.m. at the Ship Shape. And then last but not least, we are hosting a holiday hiring event. So lots of times people are looking for extra um, funds during the holidays. And so we have right now, I believe, 15 different employers coming. And so it's uh, focused on island residents who are interested in getting some temporary holiday work. And that will be on October 25th, again at the Ship Shape, from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. So I think that's all I have for today. Thank you. Thank, thank you, uh, Sherry. Um, in, in other news, uh, the Maceo May Apartments uh, hit 100% occupancy on August 31st, so uh, our building there is now fully occupied. Um, we've also been doing some hiring uh, at TIDA. Uh, our new vertical uh, development lead, Joey Benassini, uh, started last week, and we have two new staff people uh, who will be starting next week. Um, Leanne Hernandez, who will be joining the finance and administration team, and Bree Huff and Constance, who will be coming on as a communications liaison. Um, we have a number of events coming up uh, in the next month. Uh, this Saturday and next Saturday, there will be music events on the island. Uh, this Saturday will be the day to night, day to night event on the, Gold, the Gaelic athletic fields. And uh, next weekend will be uh, all day I dream event on the Great Lawn uh, area. Um, uh, we've sent out advisories to the housing advisors uh, and there will be a slight uh, Muni 25 reroute on this Saturday's event. Um, Titus staff, uh, led by uh, Jack Nathanson, are also preparing for Fleet Week coming up in October uh, with the usual provisions for, for folks coming out to watch the Blue Angels. Continue working with, with Public Works to complete uh, notices of completion for the infrastructure uh, on YBI and the first subphase on TI. Um, be preparing those packages of infrastructure to go to the Board of Supervisors for acceptance. Uh, this past Monday, the Board of Supervisors Land Use com uh, Committee heard an item on acceptance of the Rocks Dog Park, um, and it was forwarded with recommendation to the full board. Uh, after 
Board of Supervisors action will work with Public uh, Works and TICD to open the sidewalk uh, and provide pedestrian access to the park. Um, <clears throat> on the contracting front, uh, we have uh, two RFQs that were out, um, I'm sorry, two RFPs. One for uh, maintenance of natural areas on YBI. We re received two responses um, and uh, we have a panel with, with representation from the Department of Environment and Public Works. Um, they will be having oral interviews later this month and we'll probably be bringing uh, that contract to you in October or November. Um, similarly, we received proposals for uh, security services. We received a total of eight proposals last week and those written submittals are being reviewed. Um, TICD also received and is evaluating bids for the construction of Cityside Park. Um, meanwhile, the, uh, since our July meeting, the uh, Forest Road detour um, was opened over the top of Yerba Buena Island and Hillcrest Road uh, was, complete, was cl closed to uh, facilitate construction of the West Side Bridges project. And um, uh, on the regular agenda, we'll have an update on the transition housing efforts. There was a lot of work in the last um, two months with, with between TDI Advisors and Mercy Housing uh, to plan for the occupancy of Starview Court. Um, also, we've begun preliminary conversations with the Title House uh, regarding uh, pre-marketing plans for that building, which will, be, which will also be completed uh, around June of next year. Uh, and um, that completes my report. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you to One Treasure Island and YMCA for all that you do for the island. You're really incredible community partners, and we really appreciate the work that you do. Thank you. Um, I'm going to open it up to the commission and then open it up to the public. Go ahead. Um, Mr. Dumlop. Uh, thank you very much. Um, at first, I'd like to just thank and praise Shante for all the great work of the um, YMCA and um, the swimming thing. Gosh, it's so important when you consider our island is surrounded by water. And it seems pretty likely that kids just might want to test the water. And I think it's great that they're getting lessons so they don't end up at the bottom of the water. Um, I did once many years ago. Um, and I got swim lessons. And so when are we going to have our swimming pool? <laughs> but then I just also wanted to um, uh, yeah, just thank uh, uh, the uh, new Sherry and all the wonderful events they've put on throughout the years and continue to. I, it must take a lot of work. And I, they always seem seamless. So I, I just really want to uh, put that out there. Um, and the orientation idea, brilliant, I think. Um, and now I, I had a couple questions. Um, and oh, about the dog park. When it, is that opened yet, or has it been officially opened? No, it, uh, it hasn't been officially opened yet. We, uh, uh, the Board of Supervisors should hear that next week, and then we need to mo work, modify the, 
the license between TICD and Public Works to incorporate the sidewalks. Right now, we won't have uh, vehicle access to the front of the park, but we'll have we we'll want to open sidewalk access uh, as soon as we're able to modify that license. Oh, great. So hopefully by the end of by our next meeting. Hopefully. Great. Thank you. Uh, many dog owners on both islands, so and me being one of them. Um, I had a incident that I wanted to bring up though. I um, was trying to catch a bus and we got there in time on North Point and Gate View and the bus driver steamed past well over the speed limit, uh, didn't stop or even acknowledge us there. And I've heard that uh, complaint from a few other residents there. So I just wanted to point that out in public so we can do a little looking into their, you know, what what they do. And um, I also, I didn't hear you mention about the beach cleanup this coming, I think it's next week, is that right? Um, I will try and confirm that before the end of the call, end of the meeting. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Any uh, Miss Preston? Yes, Chandra, um, go ahead. So, Mark and I are residents on the island, and we live right down the street from all the events. I would really, really love to encourage all the directors to come to the October Halloween event. It's always a good event. It would, I think, that'll be a. We're gonna have it in um, at the YMCA. We have all these good plans, parent council and all the agencies, the YMCA. I would really like to encourage you guys to come. Dress up if you feel like it, but you will have a good time if you haven't been to one of our community events this year. Um, also, go YMCA. Ooh, you know, I love y'all guys. Y'all take care <laughs> of the kids. But I love, I'm loving the programming that's, um, that you got coming up and everything that you've been doing thus far, you, you keep it, you keep it constant. I like that. And me and my husband are looking forward to the yoga classes. Also, I would like to know who was the group cleaning up over? I think this past week, Avenue, not Avenue, um, Seven Seas. There was a cleanup this this past week. I don't know if it was over the weekend, if it was earlier this week, but I seen a group of volunteers and they were picking up trash. I wasn't sure if they were from Job Corps. Do we know who that was? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Come up. Terry, mm -hmm. Terry knows. <laughs> All right, we, we corporate um, events or, or volunteer events on the island and it was Suffolk Construction. So we coordinated a cleanup day with Suffolk and so they were cleaning up Seven Seas gets a lot of trash yeah. I think because of all the wind and everything and so yeah it was a truckload of trash but it, that's who it was. I wanted to say thank you. I didn't know it was a lot of young men and women. I thought they might have been from Job Corps but yeah me and my husband take a walk. We walk up there every now and then and it does and it's windy so yeah I just wanted to acknowledge that group and say thank yeah. you. Oh, Sherry, great. thank you. It was like you then, on that point, um, the Clipper Cove cleanup is on this Saturday, on the mm -hmm. 16th, and is being sponsored by One Treasure Island, but also the Sailing Center. The That's right. Everybody sailing meets at the Sailing Center this Saturday. It's from 10 to 12. Mm -hmm. And it's a wonderful thing. I, I am really encouraging that residents and the community get together to take care of our places yeah, exactly. yeah. you know I, I forgot one thing on my report can I just say it again real quick um, is that yesterday 
the San Francisco um, CTA, the Co um, County Transportation Authority, which is the Board of Supervisors, approved the supplemental transportation study that was presented to you a few months ago that One Treasure Island did in conjunction with the Treasure Island Mobility Management Agency. So I just wanted to say that that was um, unanimously approved by the board and hopefully then we'll also find the resources to actually implement a lot of the re recommendations that were done in, in the study. So I had forgotten that in my report. Thanks. Congratulations. Thank you. Okay. Um, so are there any um, Comments or questions from the audience? Okay, so hearing none, uh, let's go to the next item, please. I'm sorry, um, we, we, is, are there people on the phone? There are not. Okay, go ahead. Item number four, communications from and received by Tida. Okay, any comments or questions from the board? Okay, hearing none, any questions or comments from the audience? No. Anybody on the phone? None. none. Then next item, please. Item number five, ongoing business by board of directors. Okay. So ongoing business, um, I, uh, are there any questions or comments by the board? Um, yes, so please, Ms. Dun yeah. Mark. Um, Dun this was actually more towards the last item, but I just wanted to say there was an event in um, the building one that was seemed to be extremely successful. It was an Oktoberfest event, and that's why the ferry was just jam-packed. I've never seen the ferry so full, and it was great. Um, loved it, we went over there, and we ch also checked out our fabulous museum. So I just wanted to put that out there, if not okay. inappropriate time, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Ongoing business. Yes, Jeanette, please. Um, yeah, I just wanted to um, bring up the parks again. Um, I see it's not on the agenda, so I just was hoping that we can get that onto the agenda each month and discuss it and figure out where we are, where we're going, governance structure, et cetera, et cetera, just to put that. Right. I, I had expected a report on the parks um, interim, uh, what our plan is. Um, let's make sure that we have that. Um, on the agenda. When do you expect Mr. Beck um, will hear about Well, I want to uh, work with Director Richardson on the agenda for potential ITC may meeting next week, um, where we would expect to have some conversation on the parks, um, but certainly on our next board meeting. Yeah, um, let's have a full report at, at the very least at our next board meeting, um, if not at the ITC. Thank you. Okay. Yes. Um, Ms. Richardson. Yeah, a quick question for Director Beck. The Boys and Girls Club, are they, are they, do we still, are we still sponsoring them? Or are they um, still part we, of our satellite? We, we uh, sponsor uh, island youth that are interested in participating in their Camp Mendocino summer program, um, but they don't have any on-island programs. Uh, at, at this time, they they haven't had any on island programs for probably seven or eight years. Uh, most of those programs have been are now uh, run by the YMCA. And we, I know they used to be resident of Treasure Island. Are we going to at some point let them know, reach out to them? Um, we can have a conversation about that. We we didn't have any active plans at this point to to reengage with them. 
I think the YMCA has actually taken on a lot of the activities that the Boys and Girls yeah, Club the used boys to have. Yeah, it's yeah. a different organization. Different organization, yeah. that's true. And then ongoing business, Mr. Beck, um, we launched the Autonomous Shuttle uh, last, last month. <laughs> and did you want to say a little bit about how that's working or not working? Yeah, no, the, the, Zaria, as, as we've gone through, I, I realize there are a few items that I, I failed to include on, on, uh, on my director's report. Uh, yes, there was a, a launch event for the on-island shuttle that's been running for um, several weeks now. Um, it, it just circulates from the residential neighborhood to the ship shape and the grocery store and, and back. Um, uh, I don't have ridership figures. Uh, the the speed of the vehicle, um, it operates at about 12 miles per hour, which does cause uh, some people to, to become impatient and pass it, and so that's something that they're monitoring. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, that's been ongoing. Um, also, uh, Director Dunlop mentioned the, uh, uh, the Oktoberfest, which was hosted by Woods Beer this past weekend. Um, also, uh, we had a filming event uh, the Friday before last in Building One. Um, uh, TV show Vanderpump Rules filmed their season finale uh, <coughs> event at, at uh, Building One uh, in association with uh, Gold Bar Whiskey. Um, so uh, Building One's been seeing a lot of activity recently. Good. Yeah. That's excellent. Okay. Um, if there's no other questions, are there any comments or questions from the public? Seeing none. Okay. And no one on the phone as well. Okay. Next item, please. Item number six, consent agenda. 6A, approving the minutes of the July 12th, 2023 meeting. 6B, resolution approving and authorizing the execution of a professional services agreement between TIDA and YMCA of San Francisco commencing September 16th, 2023 through June 30th, 2024, for an amount not to exceed $279,500. So moved. Okay, is there a second? Second. Okay, uh, all those in favor say aye. Aye. Okay, all those opposed, the ayes have it. Next item, please. Item number seven, small business enterprise report and upcoming opportunities. Good afternoon, TIDA board members. My name is Anne-Marie Rogers, uh, Deputy Director at Treasure Island. And this is the Small Business Enterprise SBE LBE uh, report on work that is on Treasure Island and Yerba Buena Island. So we have heard the public comment in recent months, and we agree, TIDA can and should do more to improve SBE and LBE outcomes. So let's talk today about how we're doing and how we can do better to improve. Uh, this is the agenda for today. I'll review a little bit of the SBE procedures for the islands. We'll take a look at the 2022 report submitted by TICD. And we'll talk about proposed changes to improve compliance and improve outcomes, as well as a review of the upcoming bids and opportunities. As I said, our implementation of the SBE program has not been as robust as is needed. You'll hear today about how we intend to make improvements. Making changes is never easy, and we will need uh, the help of many involved, but it's important, and it's an area that TIDA will prioritize. So let's begin with a review of the purpose of the SBE program. The driving goal 
promote equitable contracting. In turn, equitable opportunity contributes to the project vision. We intend to deliver a sustainable and equitable community. Because equity is fundamental to the whole project, to the work of TIDA, and to the city of San Francisco, it's imperative that we get this right. So there are many, many, many defined terms. This is a new program for me. And um, to just simplify the presentation and make it a little bit easier, uh, when you hear me today say SBE, it captures all of the definitions at play. And I know there's a lot of uh, you know, ownership and engagement with each of the specific definitions. Um, there are definitions established by three different agencies, the Contracts Management Division, or CDM, within the city administrator, OCII, and there are some TIDA-specific definitions. The program on the islands captures LBE, SBE, micro-LBE, and disadvantaged businesses. Um, but just to simplify for this overview, when I say the SBE program, I'm intending to capture all of the eligible parties. And there are a couple of terms that are core to administration of the program. Uh, first, good faith efforts. This pertains to the process of soliciting bids. So when soliciting bids, good faith efforts can include many actions to seek, engage, and include SBEs. I can address things like advertising, directly contacting these individuals and encouraging them, holding pre-bid meetings, and providing bid resources. But good faith efforts means something more than this. It's something that's harder to define. It also means demonstrating a genuine commitment to promoting diversity and inclusion in contracting. So that's important. Um, secondly, uh, first consideration. This refers to the evaluation of bids for contracts. First consideration means looking locally first when awarding contracts. Consideration will be given uh, for these covered contracts in the following order. San Francisco-specific SBEs first, and then all other SBEs. If an SBE bidder is not selected, the contracting party must document how first consideration was given. So with these definitions in mind, let's review the basics of the program. Clear goals are generally established in two categories. For construction contracts, the goal is 41%. And for professional services, it's 38. Each developer, both horizontal and vertical, must designate an SBE liaison. A mentoring program is required to be established. And tools are needed to ensure consistent application. These potential tools can include things like standardized forms for recording uh, information needed for compliance and monitoring. We need a standardized approach to document good faith outreach and first consideration. And clarified reporting practices, as well as a dispute process to increase accountability. Lastly, Director Beck has been clear. When targets are not met, a recovery plan must be in place. The mentorship program. This required program does not exist as intended. The mentor program is a joint responsibility. It should be led by TIDA and TICD. All contracting entities should participate and create avenues for SBEs to build relationships and to grow by being involved. TIDA will work with TICD to develop and implement the program. TICD is required to implement 
including establishing the contractor liaison office. They should host workshops, facilitate partnerships between prime contractors and SBE contractors. They should provide general guidance and establish collegial relationships with the SBEs. So as this program is established, we will focus on getting measurable results. Measurable results here can include things like survival rates for mentees, recognizable improvements to the firm's financial strengths and bonding capacity, and increases in employment and success in meeting the firm's goals. So those two slides are a very high-level overview. Uh, the programs are very complicated, but at a high level, those are the general requirements. So now let's discuss the submitted report from March of this year. These are the summary numbers from TICD's horizontal report of 2022. Um, please note that today's presentation will not review the vertical reports. Titus staff are in the process of convening all of the vertical project managers and will work to get more complete information around the SBE vertical involvement over the next few months. So now, just looking at TICD's numbers, um, for the horizontal work, the overall all years numbers are compliant for both construction and professional contracts. Looking at the most recent years, 2022, the numbers for construction fall short, coming in at 28% when the target is 41. TICD offers that the 22 work was largely change order driven and therefore created fewer opportunities for SBEs. Of this work, they reported that San Francisco-based SBEs got 80% of all available contracts. Looking ahead, TICD and TIDA will need to partner to maximize SBE participation. So this is a very succinct summary. Uh, the full support, the full report in its raw form that we got from TICD is available on our website. So if people wanna look at their Excels or read their full printed report, that's all online now on the TIDA website. So as we think about the numbers that we've got, the numbers that we haven't got, the parts of the program that are active and the parts of the program that need to be created, um, it's important to think about how can we do better going forward. TIDA as a government agency is ultimately responsible. We need to make sure that all of our partners understand how advancing equity can help with all aspects of the project. It can help with public support, it can help with financial success, into building capacity for more competitive bids. We are convening, as I said, all of the vertical developers, and we are working to create standard expectations and involvement. As we work to develop these standards, collaboration will be paramount. TIDA will check in with the SBE communities to understand what will help them the most. We'll work with the bidding firms to help them improve their SBE participation. And we'll partner with the lead contractor, TICD, for help in creating clarity with all. Now for TICD and our vertical developer partners, we'll need a strong commitment to not only the letter of the law, but also to the intent. The letter of the law demands timely, complete reporting and, co and program compliance. Improving SBE results is also tied to a commitment to the spirit of the law. True good faith efforts should also build off of the expressed needs of the SBE community. Ensuring two-way communication will be fundamental to success. That means not only should bidders describe upcoming opportunities, 
but also SBEs need to have the opportunity to describe where they might be able to plug into upcoming bids. SBEs likely have ideas that may not have occurred to the firms putting out the work. Lastly, the mentoring program needs to become fully operational. So the printed report that this board and the public have before them has more detail, but this is where we are thinking about focusing our improvements in the coming months. For the upcoming work, here are projects that are anticipated for both TIDA and TICD. And when TIDA puts projects out to bid, CMD of the city administrator sets our participation goals. So they're a little bit different than the two I described. For the security work, the goal that has been set is 22%. Similarly, after review, CMD waived the requirement for the natural areas management due to the small pool of SBEs that would be available for the specialty work. As for TICD, as Direct Beck mentioned, they are currently reviewing bids for Cityside Park. They also expect the number of projects will be set out for bid early in 2024. TIDA will be watching the outcomes of this bid review closely. So that's a high level overview of our report today. There's much to discuss and this will be a continuing conversation. So as we move forward with the conversation, I wanted uh, to return to the purpose of the program. A strong commitment to compliance and participation boosts the reputation of all Treasure Island stakeholders, TIDA, TICD, and the project overall. Seeing a significant percentage of contracts go to local, small, and diverse businesses makes a statement that Treasure Island development embraces equity and economic opportunity. SBE participation contributes to local job creation and to neighborhood revitalization. As resident SBEs thrive, a positive economic effect ripples outward. On the project delivery side, an SBE program that thoughtfully matches opportunities with qualified firms also increases the chances of contracting success. Expanding the pool of potential bidders drives competition, innovation, and high quality proposals. Strong SBE participation mitigates reliance on just a few large vendors, spreading risk across a diverse set of contractors. So now we'd like to hear from SBEs, LBEs, and from project managers, and also from this board. What are your priorities for moving towards a more equitable contracting future? Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, Let's see, I think what we should do on this item is to first hear from the audience and then open it up to the board afterwards. So are there any members of the audience who would like to address the board on, these, on this item? Good afternoon. My name is Noelle Bonner and I am a local micro LBE here in San Francisco. I've uh, been working on advancing LBE participation and inclusion on projects across the city for about three or four years now, and uh, was first kind of um, met or was introduced to uh, Bob Beck about two years ago at a LB advisory committee meeting. I was here earlier this year to talk about the challenges that LBEs, um, who are automatically SPEs per the DDA for, this, for Treasure Island, had faced on, on the island. I will say that after about two and a half years of advocacy and trying to get 
um, you know, the plight of LBEs recognized. It's great to see um, the, the information that's in this report. I think it shows that finally um, we are being listened to and that there will be uh, opportunities for LBEs in the near future, hopefully, at Treasure Island. Um, there's a lot of information here, and I haven't had that long to review it, but I will say that um, the identification of some of the areas around kind of the, the bidding process, first consideration, um, con uh, coming up with uh, new standards around compliance, reporting, et cetera, is really heartening to see because I think with more data, more information, that will help guide uh, future pro processes around LB inclusion. Um, I, I do think that we need more, looking at the raw data of what some of the prime contractors are reporting in terms of what they have um, subcontracted to SFSBEs, which a mix of that is in, invariably LBEs, um, it would be really important to understand and have confirmation from those SFSBEs that the, the amount that the primes are reporting is actually what they've received. Um, I think we're missing the list of SFSBEs. Um, Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Noel. My name is uh, Trisha Gregory. I'm also a um, San Francisco micro LBE trucking company. Just to go after what Noel was saying, yes, I think we still need the breakdown of the um, who the LBEs are and the company names. We just it's all grouped together. But um, I do want to thank you, Emory, for this report. Like we do feel like we've been finally heard, and. Um, and not to keep harping on the past, because we can't change what the past was and what didn't go to the SF um, micro LBEs or LBEs. We're, we are really hoping that this plan sticks. And on phase two, we really start to see the um, San Francisco micro companies go to work. And um, one of the, uh, on the report, I see improving bid review and how there are no strict requirements around awarding to SFSBEs. And I just want to remind the directors that a San Francisco SBE is not necessarily a San Francisco LBE. Um, also, that the reason why we should be looked first, even if the bids are a little bit higher, is because we are the ecosystem of San Francisco. Right? We are the ones, most of us live in the city, we hire in the city, we pay the business taxes more than a company that would be coming from outside of San Francisco. So we are the ones who's gonna keep San Francisco alive and thriving, and that's why we should be looked at first. Um, thank you, thank you for this report, it's hopeful, thank you. Um, is there anybody on the phone who would like to address the board? There is no remote public comment. Okay, thank you. I'll open it up to the directors now. Um, but I would like to say on behalf of the board, I think I can say for all of us that we have a commitment to make sure that the economic benefits, the dollars that come from the construction that is going on on this island, that that benefit flows to people who are working and living in San Francisco. We do it through the job training program, which One Treasure Island has, those are for individuals. But this is also a program 
of mentorship and also dollars, construction work that will go to the SBA, the SBEs, the LBEs, and the micro LBEs. And so I think that there is a great deal of commitment and interest on this board to see that happen. I have a question for you, Anne-Marie, and that is um, on your report for the horizontal report that you have. Um, you have um, certainly the goals, which is 41% for construction, 38% for professional. Um, and, but for all years, is that all years to date? Um, you have 45% and 47%. Those numbers represent all years for the horizontal reports only for TICD. Uh, in looking at the requirements for the program, there is supposed to be a cumulative report back. And so we're not reporting the cumulative report back numbers at this time because that would be a combination of the horizontal plus the vertical. Right. And so it's all years, but it's all horizontal, but it doesn't relate to where the requirements discuss the cumulative numbers that must be provided. Yeah. But, but it is for the horizontal work all years to date. It's for, yes, yeah. all reported years. Okay. So, so I think that actually we, for just the horizontal, um, it, it's gratifying to see that at least we have exceeded the goals that we had set out to date. 45% um, in construction, which is more than the 41%, 47% for the professional. Um, and we have yet to get the data for the vertical and, um, and hopefully our record will continue into the future as well. Okay, well, let me have Ms. Richardson. Yes, go okay. ahead. Okay, this, this is definitely a great day and I wanna start with actually congratulating our Deputy Director, Emily. You know, you were just hired um, about how many months ago and we put your feet to the fire. This report is very comprehensive and we know that a lot of efforts um, have gone into producing that. And I also wanna congratulate our development partner, TICD. You know, people don't know that in the midst of trying to meet all the milestones that there are all these things that are very important for us to take care of. Kudos though goes to the micro-LV community. I know that Noah Bonner two years ago You've been working on this even before you brought this to the attention, and your work is highly recognizable. I wanted to you that. And Adrian, for your persistence, and your colleagues, some of them are not here today, because you pushed us to really look into bringing this report. Now we can all, in the public realm, go ahead and um, talk about specific issues. Um, Director Bob Beck, and as Commissioner Shen mentioned, yes, we have ex exceeded the SBE requirement goals. But what we are now have to go back right now is to break things down. I'm comforted that in the definition of SBE that we, tighter Yerba Buena Island Development, recognize that that definition include the LBEs and micro-LBEs. So there is no more excuses or justification of anything, yes. The, I have a lot of questions, but I'm not gonna delve into that because there are still reports to be looked at, 
but I don't want it to waste time on those reports. When right now there are recommendations and we have pending contracts. Those pending contracts give us the ability right now, moving forward, to try to take advantage of the recommendations so that we can take advantage and fight. You ask me, what should we be concentrating on? Yeah, you can give me that report for vertical later on. We're gonna look at all this report. But right now, given all the recommendations and pending projects, what is the framework? How are we going to make sure that our next activity opportunity reflect the micro LBE that we are talking about? What is the outreach is gonna look like? I read in the, in the report that TICD has hired someone by the name of Danielle Butler as a liaison. That Danielle, including with Emily or whatever, there needs to be a handshake for them to sit down with the micro LB community. So that is action. So that way they know when these bits are and they are engaged in that. So they can take the information back to their community. That's what this report that I would like to see. The mentoring a program, it's, I'm glad that you came out. The mentoring program will help us to alleviate a lot of the issues that we are talking about here. That needs to be on the agenda right now. In fact, we should say between the next X amount of days, and I'm talking about maybe 30 days, help the TICD to activate the mentoring uh, program because that to me, that program that has not to date been utilized, is also key into helping us to identify how we must get on from here. Uh, you mentioned about the oversight role of us. And by this report, I know that TIDA is going to pay an emphasis right now. We can't tell the developer how to, what to do. However, the city and county of San Francisco, all our contractors and contracts are bound by certain policies and provisions. And one of them is to make sure that we have equity, diversity, and inclusion. Uh, Mr. Beck, the city and county of San Francisco, I think about a year ago, implemented citywide uh, a framework for diversity, equity, and all the departments are mandated to produce a report. I'm comforted in your recommendations that you are going to actually look, take the micro LBE to be a model of, of that program. That is significant. If they take away from here today is that yes, we are not only listening, but our director and tighter are going to now kind of help us to get to the bottom of these um, issues. And so that's it. When we get the vertical and all the other information, we'll go on from there. But this is really a great effort and want to thank again the MicroLB community and our staff for spearheading this uh, information. So we're moving forward positively, hopefully. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Mr. Dunlop. Um, first vote course, I wanted to thank Emily. Uh, great report, and I think it's really answered or is the beginning of an answer to uh, many questions that have had. And of course, the community for coming here um, so strongly the couple meetings ago, it, it was important and it got our butt kicked. So we like that. <laughs> anyway, and then I just, I think the most important thing is follow up, review, monitoring and we will do that, so thank you.
Thank you. Ms. Howard. Yeah, I'll reiterate what, um, what uh, Linda and, and Mark said. Um, thank you, the micro LB community, for coming out and really, yeah, having us listen. And it was really important for you to be here. And thank you, staff and Anne-Marie, for really taking this on. I really appreciate it. I love the report. Of course, I have more questions, like Linda does. And um, I would love to delve into this more. I think there's a number of improvements and recommendations in the report, so I'd really love to hear how, how the staff, how we, how, how this community can start addressing these, like bit by bit. It seems like they fall under transparency, kind of liaison with the community, and um, also then what the board can do. There's a resolution um, suggestion in there. So I'm just, would really like kind of a, if it's possible to lay out like, what are the next steps? When is this program starting? How will we start addressing it? And I do think it's really important that transparency, again, more details on the contracts. It just seems like yeah. that should be pretty easy, but maybe it's not. And just it uh, could create a more open discussion. But yeah, mostly just want to know when we're starting this, how are we going to prioritize these different activities, and um, how can we help? Sure. Thank you very much for that. And um, thank you, all the board members. And uh, I should start by saying I neglected to say how many Titus staff were, were very critical in being able to put this information together. Uh, including Wei Zhang, including uh, our finance staff, uh, Jamie and Diane, and of course, uh, Director Bob Beck for saying that this is a priority for us and for putting this as one of the first tasks that I got set it on. So uh, all those people, even though I'm the one here before that, all those people were involved in bringing this information forward. And uh, TIDA, as a public agency uh, that's accountable, we can certainly make all of the information that we have transparently available on the website for people to review and inspect. I think when we were looking at the information, we were struggling with the way that the information was provided, uh, feeling like we could confidently verify the numbers and cross-check totals with individuals that were paid. So I think um, part of that, a large part of that, you know, is our responsibility to fix and so the first thing that we're doing is meeting with the SPE and LBE micro uh, LBEs that have come before this commission to get their input, meeting with uh, contracts management division, which we've done, uh, but we will be doing it more, and meeting with OCII and people at the PUC and also associated with the PUC that have been running programs that are successful. In conversation with those parties and with your ideas today, we'd like we need to develop standardized forms and processes. If we lay out what we expect to receive from all of the involved contractors, then that will make it a lot easier to verify numbers and to do some spot checks or, or audits. Uh, frankly, the amount of work that is involved is immense, and so doing that does take staff capacity and does take staff resources away from other projects. So hearing from this board that that is worth TIDA staff investment is kind of the first question uh, that we have for you. Um, another question that is in the board, board's purview is we laid out in there the ideas of racial equity and social equity that kind of underlie the provision of this program. If this board uh, wanted to take action similar to other boards in the city of San Francisco, staff could prepare uh, material at your request. And so in the report, we mentioned other commissions and boards that have 
establish racial and social equity as a priority uh, for the government workers. Typically in San Francisco, the Office of Racial and Social Equity has asked all of us um, to develop both internal facing programs for how we will increase equity within our staff and within our department in the way that we work with each other, as well as outward facing equity programs that work to improve equity outcomes for the residents of Treasure Island and Yerba Buena Island and for all the businesses that interact. So uh, as part of that program, the city administrator has laid out a first step on racial and social equity, um, but Tida could do our own look at that. So those are kind of a, question, a couple of questions for you. Of course, if there's anything that you've heard in your conversation with the LBEs, SBEs, and micro-LBEs that we should include that is not listed here, we would welcome those ideas today or later. Thank you. Okay. All right. Then, um, Mr. Beck, did you want to Yeah, I just comment? wanted to say a few words uh, again. Uh, as Anne-Marie mentioned, um, there are a number of Titus staff that were involved, but Anne-Marie really did take the leadership role. In, in wrapping her arms around these issues. And uh, uh, to, to comments from some of the directors, this will be an ongoing uh, agenda item for us as we move forward. We'll be coming back with more information, uh, more updates, and um, is a number of comments uh, today from, from the public, from the contracting community in the report about data. Um, one of the, the key early steps that I, I want to prioritize is updating the forms on which reports are submitted. Um, the forms that had been created are, are come in as PDFs, um, which means that uh, summarizing everything and, and tabulating everything and sorting everything requires that all of that data be re-entered. Um, and, it, and that is one of the things that has slowed uh, both TICD's internal efforts and our efforts to summarize and review historical data. So we, we do want to update forms uh, as, an, as an early priority so that at least we're, we're getting data in a manageable format so that we have reliable statistics uh, with minimal additional staff effort uh, from this point going forward. So that'll be an early priority and we'll be coming back to you. Um, yeah, so those, those were just some of my thoughts. Thank you, thank you. I have an eye on the time and I know we're going to lose one of our directors at 1245, so do you have an additional question, Ms. Howard? No, I was just gonna reiterate that. Um, Anne-Marie had said, is that a priority? Because it does take away from staff and Bob, um, Mr. Beck just said that it is a priority, so I'm really glad to hear that. I, I think it really is important to have uh, reliable data that we know that these numbers are real. Um, that would be confident and um, the outcomes are what we're seeking. So thanks. Okay, thank you. So next item, please. Item number eight, resolution establishing an ad hoc nominating committee consisting of three members of the Treasure Island Development Authority Board of Directors to nominate officers to serve a one year term. Okay, um, so this is a resolution. We do it every year. We need an ad hoc nominating committee. I'm going to suggest that Linda Richardson, Mark Dunlop, and Jeanette Howard be on that ad hoc nominating committee. It's just an additional half an hour before our next board meeting. Um, so uh, I hope you will serve. <laughs> so, so moved. Okay. Second. So it's been moved and seconded. All those in favor say aye. Aye. All those opposed and the ayes have it. Thank you for your service. <laughs>
So next item, please. Item number nine, resolution approving and authorizing the execution of use permit number E415 with Anselli Productions for the production of the Treasure Fest. Great. Good afternoon, directors. Jack Nathanson, Titus staff. Happy to be here before you today to present um, Treasure Fest for your approval. Um, for nearly 10 years, from 2010 to 2019, Marin County Flea Market LLC, now known as Ancinelli Productions, has produced and operated the Treasure Island Flea, now known as Treasure Fest on Treasure Island. The Treasure Fest was held the last weekend of each month and featured antiques, arts and crafts, a variety of food and beverages, as well as a variety of family entertainment. Uh, Treasure Fest's primary location was on the Great Lawn at first, and eventually we, we moved to uh, Avenue N, which is the eastern waterfront of Treasure Island. Um, Treasure Fest has been a permittee in good standing with Tida, and we're great representatives of both the island and the development. It was probably the most popular event we've done on the island. In fact, attracting over a million visitors in the 10 years that it existed. Um, Further, their environmental stewards for the island, um, promoting public transportation to their events, and striving for a goal of zero waste. Um, unfortunately, as most of you know, due to the progress of the development project, Tida and Treasure Fest agreed to um, discontinue the event, with the last event occurring on November 24th of 2019. Um, this summer, however, um, authority staff um, saw a way forward to sort of resurrect the, the event in conjunction and in uh, consultation with development project management. And we worked together with Ancinelli Productions to uh, come up with a location that's very similar to the previous location on, uh, on Avenue and the Eastern Waterfront. So, slide here. There we go. So these are the proposed dates and permit fee for the event starting in February uh, 24th and 25th, the last weekend of each month through December. This is the proposed location of the event. You can see in red, uh, that's Avenue N. The yellow represents parking. The blue area represents sort of a flexible area that we can either use for parking or staging. And um, there'll be some street parking along Avenue N as well as Fifth Street. Um, and then just some photos of the event. Some of you may remember. Some of you may be seeing this event for the first time. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd like to invite uh, Charles Ancinelli, who's the founder of Treasure Fest, up to yeah. say a few further words about the event and what uh, his organization's planning. Come on up, please. Thank you, Jack. Hi. Um, I hope uh, many of you have been there in the past decade. and. Uh, of course, we know that uh, a lot of our attendees and our talented exhibitors uh, will look so forward to the return of Treasure Fest to Treasure Island. Uh, it's been missing uh, sorely for almost going on five years. Um, 
we do try to partner with everybody in our neighborhood, uh, Muni, the wineries, um, we've reached out to the ferry, the museum. We'd love having those guys being a part of our show. Um, and uh, we're looking forward to continuing to do it in the new year. Great. Thank you so much. And I would say that that's a common question I get, which is when is, when is the Treasure Island Fair coming back? So I think it has been mess, missed, and so we're glad that you're back on the island, that we could accommodate you. Uh, thank you so very much. It's so great to hear that. Great. Thank you. And, and thank you, Jack. Jack is our staff person who uh, does the leasing and events for Trida. Yes, thank you, Jack and Rich. And, and he's been extremely helpful for all the participants who lease space on the island or <laughs> who have events on the island. Thank you, nice, Jack. Nice, Director. So our next steps pending your approval, um, we've actually been in conversation with the Bay Conservation Development Commission, BCDC. We had a, the, uh, we had a permit for the event that expired with the event in 2019. We're either looking at um, an amendment to the existing permit or a new permit. And we'll, uh, we'll continue conversations with BCDC, but I have no doubts that it will go smoothly. Um, uh, with that, I'm happy to answer any other questions. Good. Um, are there questions? Um, so moved. Directors? OK. Mr. Dunlop, go ahead. Yeah, I just thank you, Jack, and thank you for this uh, event. I went many, many, many times, and it was just always awesome and fun and good spirit. I think it was one of the highlights of the island. So thank you. I'm glad it's coming back. We are, too. Miss uh, Richardson. Yes, I make a motion to approve and, again, to let... Um, Jack, thank you for bringing this. It's everybody is asking all over the you know Bay Area. So we need to increase traffic in to Treasure Island, and so please help us to work on the transportation as well because of the construction. Yeah. And so this is very welcoming, and I'm glad again to entertain the resolution to approve. Good. I'd so like we to have a motion. That. Thank you for seconding. All those in favor say aye. 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 All those opposed, the ayes have it. Thank you. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I have to have co comments? We, we, I thought we already have comments. There were none. It's good. I'm glad. Okay. Next item, please. Almost done. Great meeting. Item number 10, update on resident engagement regarding Starview Court transition units and other transition opportunities for residents of the, treasure, the villages at Treasure Island. So uh, Vanessa Zamora will be presenting today. Uh, mm -hmm. Vanessa is with Interethnica, um, which is part of the ARWS TI advisors team. Um, we've had a, a busy couple of months since our last meeting um, working on, on transition uh, of residents to Starview Court, and Vanessa will give uh, our update. Good afternoon, board. My name is Vanessa Zamora. I'm with Interethnica, a small local business in San Francisco. On this project, I serve as a TI advisor, if speaking both English and Spanish to support the residents on the island. I first want to take a look at today's agenda so that we can walk through what we'll touch on this presentation. First, we'd like to zoom out and show you the numbers which you've seen before in previous presentations. Then I'd like to talk about Starview Court and our engagement strategy to encourage legacy invested residents to 
volunteer for Starview Court. Then I'd like to talk about our TI advisor engagement from July to September 1st. And moving forward, we'll talk about the timeline to 2024 and the housing opportunities that are to come. Lastly, we'll end with how residents can contact a TI advisor. Taking a look at the numbers, I'd like to draw your attention over to the current transition needs. We have about 156 transition units needed. We have 92 legacy households, 64 mixed households with legacy members, vested members, or post-vested members. We have about 137 vested households and 24 post-vested households. Now a little bit about Starview Court. I'd like to talk about its importance. It's a really important part about the phase one development on the island to bring housing opportunities for legacy invested household members. Starview Court will have about 23 transition units for legacy household members, and we'll have about 43 affordable units for vested members. And those will go through a Dahlia lottery. This will be managed by Mercy Housing, and we'll also have Catholic Charity members, and those will be led through Catholic Charity staff members. It is located on 78 Johnson Street, and we've been encouraging legacy household members to volunteer. The volunteer period went from July 17th and ended on September 1st. Now a little bit about our engagement strategy. We hosted and participated in key events with the support of the director, Two of the key events are the Starview Court open house events, which we hosted two of them, one on a Thursday night and then another one on Saturday during the day to allow others that were not able to make it on Thursday to come by. We also participated in the National Night Out event. We hosted a table where residents could come and speak to a TI advisor. Aside from that, we've been doing one-on-one -on -one sessions and we've been emailing legacy household members one through 50 to have them learn about the opportunities on the island and opportunities at Starview Court. The goals with this is to allow legacy members to volunteer for a unit at Starview Court and allow them to have a selection for a specific unit at Starview Court so they can share exactly what they're looking for for their unit. We've distributed information about Starview Court, about inclusionary um, units that will be available in 2024, and just other opportunities that they have benefits for. Now I wanna take a look at the outcomes. So we've had great outcomes with this engagement. We had 21 volunteers for units at Starview Court. And within those conversations and that engagement, we processed an additional five in-lieu payments. Those are residents that are moving off of the island and taking a payment in return. This puts, it at, puts us at nine total in 2023. Within our conversations, we also shared the TIR numbers. These numbers are for residents to be able to apply for a unit, to rent a unit or purchase a unit on the island if they're not interested in a transition unit. And that's also for vested members. Now zooming out just a little bit, we'll talk about, about, about our engagement and key events from July all the way to September 1st to engage all the residents, not just legacy invested members. As mentioned, we participated in the National Night Out event where we hosted a table. We had all of our printed materials and information about the opportunities coming on the island. We had a great turnout. The event was great in general, so we had a couple of folks come by and speak to us about their needs and any questions that they had. We also hosted the two open house events. Again, one of them was Thursday night on July 13th, and that was from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. 
We had a really great turnout that night. We had about 50 plus households, and that includes legacy households, vested households, and post-vested household members. It was really inviting space. We had snacks. We had uh, different tables that they can come and get information. And then we repeated that same event on Saturday the 15th, July 15th, more during the day from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. We also had a great turnout. Over 40 households also came by. And this, there's multiple members in each household, so we had a great turnout. Lastly, for some more one-on-one -on -one sessions, we dedicated a particular day on the island on August 4th, where we were at, at Araceli Cafe and we invited residents to schedule one-on-one -on -one sessions or just walk in from 9.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. to 3 p.m., sorry, where they can just have one-on-one -on -one sessions so that we can talk through what their situation is because everybody's situation is unique. In terms of outreach materials, we've had multiple touch points with residents along the way. We make sure to reach out to them before events, during events, and after events for those that are interested in joining us and are able to join us during events, right before them or during them, we're answering phone calls. And then after events, we also have a touch point. So we've sent out before events about 750 invitation emails, and you can see a little bit of what our invitation looks like. We invited members, over 750 emails went out, we invited them to our events. Then we also delivered 300 door hangers to the doors. We worked with Admiral Security to drop off these door hangers. Then after the events, we also did some follow-up. So we sent out, in case you missed our event, this is the information that we, that we had so that you can have that access and make some informed decisions. We also uploaded all of this information along with invitations, post emails, and all of our uh, documents onto their portals so that they can have ongoing access to it. Along the way, as mentioned, we've answered phone calls, we've been answering emails, and we've just had one-on-one -on -one sessions with residents, not particularly in an event, but just one-on-one -on -one sessions with them. Then I want to talk a little bit more about those one-on-one -on -one sessions. We've had the opportunity to meet one-on-one -on -one with the legacy vested, post-vested residents on the island. We've had over 40 virtual and in-person meetings with, with residents to talk about their situation. We've been setting up a better response for our emails and for our phone calls. At this moment, when you email the TI advisor line, then you automatically get a response that lets you know we've received your email. And this is some information that you can review before we, if, before we reach out to you. That way, they can review it, and if they, any of the information already answers their questions, they'll be better prepared for a one-on-one -on -one session. We also introduced a new scheduling system with our Calendly link. So with this link, they can select a time that works for them. It's very convenient at their fingertips through their phone or on their laptop. They can use the link to schedule a one-on-one -on -one session with us. We include a QR code on all of our communication so that they can schedule this and it can be in person, over Zoom, over the phone, or they can select what they prefer, what's at their convenience. And we've also increased access in language. So as mentioned, I'm a bilingual TI advisor. I speak both Spanish and English. And I've been able to increase awareness of all of this information for Spanish-speaking community members. So some of our legacy members that volunteered for Starview Court are actually folks that only speak Spanish. And I've been able to, to communicate all of this information and allow them to also make an informed decision.
Lastly, as mentioned, we include all of our resources and all of our communication. So we've created an online folder where all of our documents, if they don't have access to a portal, sometimes it's difficult to set up. We've included this on a drive where they can easily have the link to at any moment and they can view all of these documents. Those links are listed below, highlighted in green, and they have access to all of these in both English and in Spanish. We've handed out some resources that you've seen before. We have our affordable unit handout, transition unit handout, general information, and just more information about below marker rate units that are to come in 2024. Now, a little bit about the timeline that's to come and the opportunities that are to come in 2024. So as mentioned, we've closed, the we've closed the early volunteer period on September 1st. We had great turnout with, those with that volunteer period. Now we're moving into this month and transitioning and, and handing stuff over to the Starview Court Management Team. The Starview Court Management Team will meet with those 21 volunteers and we'll talk about their preferences so that they can assign them a unit and talk a little bit more about what they want to, what they want to see in their unit. Those meetings will start to happen in September. We're doing a handoff and we're participating as TI advisors in some of those meetings if needed. We've been having conversations with them to make sure it's a smooth transition. In October of 2023, we expect the Starview Court Management Team to issue an award, Starview uh, preliminary, pre preliminary awards to the early applicants. They'll be able to assign transition units or affordable units to those that did an early uh, volunteer application. We'll also be able to send out move notices to, to legacy household members that um, in order of their legacy ranking. And we'll also start to assign those unmatched units based on legacy ranking as well. From November to January 2024, we expect to have more conversations about the affordable units that are to come at, um, at Starview Court and other housing options that are to come in 2024. So a lot of our conversations will be to help residents sign up for Dahlia, register to set up an account, and sign up for particular units that they're interested in. Moving on a little bit later on to our timeline, in February we expect the Dahlia, the Dahlia lottery to happen and for some of those units to start to be assigned. In spring of 2024, we expect final applications to happen and resident and, and managers to start having conversations about their lease changes. In June of 2024, we hope that members who have volunteered for Starview Court and have gotten a unit at Starview Court will be able to move in. This is a general view of what's to come, the housing development on the island for phase one up to 2028. This is a lot of information, but to draw your attention over to number two, that is where we are at this moment. We're also advertising number three and number four and number five, which are will have below market rate units for rent and purchase. And these are the units that will be available within those buildings. So talking a little bit about the other opportunities that there will be on the island, we'll have some units below market rate, inclusionary units uh, on the island for rent at Title House and Hawkins, aside from Starview Court, which we already mentioned. At Title House, we'll have 24 below market rate units. Those will be studios, one and two bedroom uh, units. We'll have three bedroom units, but those will not be below market rate. At Hawkins, we'll have nine below market rate units. All of these will also be studios, one and two bedrooms. 
And if residents are interested to purchase, they can also use your TIR number and register for Dahlia to, to see if they qualify for a below market rate unit for purchasing. And we've been talking to some of the residents that are really interested uh, for Portico, for a condominium. We have seven condominiums that will be below market rate, and those will also be studios, one and two bedrooms. And lastly, some information on how you can contact your TI advisor. As mentioned, we're answering phone calls every day, we're responding to emails, and we're also scheduling one-on-one -on -one sessions with our TI advisors. Whether they need it in Spanish or in English, we have a TI advisor that can dedicate some time to talk about every situation. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. Um, I'm going to open it up to questions by the board. Um, yes, I have questions, but Ms. Richardson, why don't you go first? Yes, Ms. Samore. Thank you so much uh, for that uh, presentation. It's a lot. I would like for you to maybe uh, the, the, fly, the slide for the island household. If you could bring that, I have some questions. Sorry, what slide did you mention? It's the one with the island uh, household. Maybe next time, yeah, uh, it's no page. The it's now numbered. Maybe we can number that. The numbers? Yeah, it's a uh -huh. look at the numbers. Yeah. So what you presented here is the universe of the numbers and the categories of the island or residents. For instance, we have 250 for one treasure island, and we're not going to talk about that because one treasure island takes care of that. So let's just look into the villages of treasure island. I guess the basic question, and again, you gave a great presentation. For us at this juncture, we have 92 legacy households. Do we have actually the data that says out of this 92 legacy household? X numbers right now, rain or shine, are available, they've been pre-screened, You've done this outreach to all these methods that you've given. Do their status. Can we, at this point, I think the data that we need, all these 92 legacy households, where are they? What is the picture? You've outreached to them. You've talked to them. You whatever. Is there a number within them? All this outreach I've been taking all this time. You send email. You knocked. You have volunteers. We're not getting any response. Those are the core data that we need to have mm -hmm. because you've been outreaching them for God knows how many years. You're not getting. For us, we need, to, we need that kind of data. We need to know that kind of data. Number two, we also need to know out of this, did you say 64 mixed household, and it has a combination of legacy, vested, and post, okay? Our obligation, foremost, to the legacy household. That's the one that rain or shine, a court case mm -hmm. that we bind in, that TIDA must deliver. A lot of these posts and other categories, we've always said they are San Francisco residents. They are San Francisco residents, but we need a data for the numbers that we are responsible for. We are interested in everybody, but we need to extrapolate what these numbers are, and we've been asking for that all the time. Number three, out of the universe, 
it's the same data. How many of them you mentioned that some of you are talking to some of them? I want the uh, deputy director because help us to kind of help to translate some of this stuff. It's this data that we need, okay? How many you are talking to them? We need the numbers today, condominium. How many are going to be responsible? If you can help us to translate this mm -hmm. data into the meaningful, it will be helping us to know where we are in this process, who is responding, who is not. We know mm -hmm. that the stock, you know, quote, is coming up, and we know X amount of people are going to be there. And so if you can help us with all this outreach and produce that data, because at some point, we might say that these X numbers, we've outreach to them, we haven't heard from them, we're not gonna pay any resources, let's concentrate on the people that are ready to maximize the resources we have, and publish to let them know, no, the burden is on you right now because, but we have to be able to substantiate that we've done outreach to them as well, don't we? Because mail, certified mail, this has been going on, and then we say, you know, this X amount, we've done everything because if you keep doing the same thing that they're not responding, not. At some point, what I'm saying here is that we need to move expeditiously to the next level. And so that data is still now here, and you can go, uh, Deputy Director, thank you. It can help us to put that data, that's what we need. And then you can supplement that with all of this information that we do because it is. It's a small universe of the household we're dealing with, to be really honest. I mean, it's not that we have 10,000 or 20,000 residents. At San Francisco, housing has been able to make the transition. So this is where we need your help to help us to really do. And again, thank you for your presentation. Of course. Okay, um, Ms. Howard. Yeah, thank you. Um, I have a couple of questions um, similar to Director Richardson, I think um, the the universe is presented here, but still, like, are the 20 volunteers, are they legacy households? Those are all 20 volunteers from legacy. Okay, cool. And then my second question was, I'm curious why, what was the reasoning for having a deadline for volunteers? Like, what's the, you know, so if somebody wanted to volunteer now, they couldn't volunteer for Starview Court. Is is that a reason because of, of Dahlia timelines or or what? That, that's it. That's all I wanted to know. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll take a stab at that, that question. We, um, we wanted to um, provide a window for volunteers, but we will need to move to the next step, which is with, where we don't have volunteers begin the process of assigning units to households. And so that's the process that we're gonna be starting this month. We'll take the volunteers um, and do the handoff to Mercy to begin the, the leasing uh, income qualification in the case where they're seeking an affordable unit or uh, the, the, the lease approvals with, with uh, Mercy. And then we'll start the process of, of communicating to households um, who based on their legacy ranking will, will need to move next, uh, next year. And so uh, that was the reason to, to, to keep it limited was both to, in, in, you know, to encourage people to 
to take the leap. Um, if we leave it open-ended, you know, people won't won't volunteer till there's a deadline. Gotcha. Um, but but uh, but more so, it was so that we could we could begin the critical communication with people that are going to be assigned units um, based on their legacy rankings. Okay, great. Well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, yes. Um, so I have a question, which is for we only have 92 legacy households. Do we have all the information on who lives in which unit, what their family income is, whether they've responded or not? Um, do we have that information? Because we, we see this chart all the time, and you have done a considerable amount of general communication and door hangers and phone calls and so forth. Um, is there information on these households so you know who's being reached and who has not? And who needs maybe more concentrated effort? Because the legacy households are first priority to make sure that they are given the chance to have a unit. Um, so that's a question. Do you have an answer? Yes, that information we do have. At this moment, we focused our efforts on legacy households one through 50. And we also worked with the villages in order to get that information that might have been missing from those legacy households. And we were able to touch m most of those households. Those that we didn't, we did some door knocking as well. Uh, but we do have that information and I'm happy to, to share it with Director Well, Beth. that's the information that we would like is mm -hmm. how many have been reached, how yeah. many have not. Um, you know, who have we, who have we missed? Uh, so that I think would be valuable information if you can, because it's very frustrating to hear that, you know, these units are so difficult to build. Um, and in fact, when you look at the waiting list for these units, affordable housing units, not just on Treasure Island, but in the whole of San Francisco, there's thousands of people on the waiting list. And, and it's sort of a, a, a puzzle to me why there would not be more people who would jump at the chance of having you know, these units. It, and, and that we have to spend so much time and effort and money to reach out to them. I don't understand why, you know, why that is the case. Um, because these are incredibly desirable units. The housing is built by um, well-known architects. Um, and we, and actually, the Starview Court is, um, and, and then Starview Court, of the ones that we have sponsored at TIDA, is the last one for several years, because the next phase is going to take some time to get the financing ready for that. Um, so they may not have another chance for a while. And so that's a question I, I just don't understand why there aren't more of these legacy households who are interested and who are coming to the front and ready for these new, new apartments. Yeah. Um, do you have an answer to that? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to highlight that we have 23 transition units for Starview Court, and in our in our outreach, we let them know this is you know this is how many transition units we have, and 21 volunteers is actually a was a big win for us as well because we were able to engage 
all of them and those that were able to volunteer, a lot of them did were interested and did volunteer, whether it was legacy numbers one through 50 or farther down on the list, we did have uh, folks that were interested and volunteered. We have a 21 applications. Yeah, it just, uh, it just, um, I, I just think given the demand in the city for affordable housing, or new apartments um, that I, I, I think it's a very small amount. Are we reaching out to 50 and beyond? You're doing, you're saying one to 50, it's ranking. Mm -hmm. But are you going beyond the 50? Yes, we definitely have been. And a lot of our one-on-one -on -one sessions and a lot of our events actually had folks from more than just one through 50. Is just for Starview Court volunteer period, we went in order of legacy ranking in order to let them know it was coming up, it was, time to, to make a decision. So this is why we focused a lot of our time closer uh, to the volunteer period to let them know, you know, if they're interested, this now is the time for them to volunteer for Starview Court. Okay. Well, then um, the next step is that um, uh, they will be, according to the ranking, the next step would be to offer them units. And then what happens if they reject a unit? or if they don't respond to that offer? What, what then happens? So the, the, the process is, let's just say for the, for the household that's ranked number one, they are entitled to a four bedroom replacement unit. So they will be issued a notice to move. Um, so the notice to move says that you are required to vacate your unit. Uh, we're still working on what the exact date will be, but Let's just say for the moment, you're required to vacate your unit by June 30th, 2024. You have two options available to you uh, as a resident in good standing. Uh, one is to take a transition unit in Starview Court. The second is to take an in lieu payment. But it's a notice to move and vacate the existing premises. Right. So if they have uh, up to 45 days before the expiration of a notice to move to make their choice between the in lieu payment or or moving um, uh, so if they're silent if we're unable to get a response from them there will be a second notice to move that will be issued later in the spring um, again confirming that date and their choices um, at some point if they are non-responsive then they cease to be a tenant in good standing. And if they fail to vacate the unit, then they cease to, you know, they will no longer be a tenant in good standing and, and they will no longer be eligible for those benefits. Our obligations under the transition housing rules and regulations is the commitment that was made is that the households that were established in 2011 will be provided an opportunity to relocate to a permanent home in the new development on the island. This is that opportunity for that household. Right. So ultimately, um, then they will no longer, you know, they, they will no longer be, you know, appropriately residing in their current unit and will, that will follow its own process. I, I just wanted to be very clear about that because there's drastic consequences for people who do not respond. Um, they, uh, they are being offered a new apartment at rents from previous, you know, not the market rent, but actually, you know, their, their rent from, from the previous um, 
uh, uh, tenancy. So it's an incredible offer. And, and if they do not accept, then the consequence is that they, because we're, we're redeveloping that area, that they will be, they, they will not have housing. So I really urge residents to, I don't know if they understand this, whether they, I know you've been communicating, but I want that message to be very clear, that they're being offered a new apartment. They should take it while they have that opportunity. And we need to document for the legal implication. That's why we're asking this data. And at this juncture, we need data because we, we need to make before the end of this year, we need to even get a better projection yeah. of where everybody stands so that come January 24, it's another, we are moving forward. There, so Yeah, there, there will be at that point in time, there will be people who say, oh, we never knew about it. Nobody told us, nobody contacted us. But in fact, there has been a lot of outreach and we must do as much as we can to reach all the non-responsive um, uh, residents, um, yeah. So. Can I ask a clarifying question? So the, um, uh, Mr. Beck, you mentioned that this deadline will be, is that for the one through 50 ranking or is that for the all 92? And then it looks like the transition units that are needed, the number, that there aren't that many available. So I'm kind of confused about the, so, so the process, the legacy ranking is the order in which we will trans, tra, uh, make offers to legacy and mixed households. So a mixed household is a legacy household that just happens to have some roommates gotcha. that are, are not, will not be in, entitled to consideration in the sizing of the transition unit. Um, so... Uh, we're going to process the people who volunteer, and again, about half of the people who volunteered are interested in affordable units. Um, but for the other people that volunteered, they're uh, ostensibly interested in, in the tran 23 transition units. So we're going to process those uh, applications, and that's going to take some of those units off the market, if you will. And then we're going to begin with transition ranking number one, and that household, I happen to know, is, is entitled to a four-bedroom unit. And so we will contact them, uh, verify that there's been no changes into their household that would change their entitlement. And then we would say, okay, you're entitled to a four-bedroom unit. We have a four-bedroom unit available. And so then they would receive an offer for that four-bedroom unit. The next household actually happens to be entitled to a one-bedroom transition unit. So we would contact that household, we'd verify that household composition, make sure there's no changes. Now, if they became, if they got married, unbeknownst to us, that would change their entitlement from a one-bedroom to a two-bedroom. Um, and we can go into more details on the application. But if, let's just say, if they were still entitled to a one-bedroom, we would look at our 23 transition units, which happen to all be two, three, and four bedrooms, and we'd say, okay, well, we do not have a one bedroom available for you, and we would go to household number three. And, and then we would keep going down the ranking, addressing each household in turn, and seeing if we have an eligible unit that matches their entitlement until we have 
made assignments for all of the remaining transition units. There should not be any surprises. There should not be any surprises at this point here because the bedding at the end of the year, the, the rule says a change in your household or whatever. We've been reaching out to we, this household for a long time. And then they come out, the, uh, okay? There should not be surprises for this numbers, for where their status is. If they're getting married or whatever, don't we have rules that are bound them? Strict, that says, any change in your household situation, first year, 20, you must report that as part of that. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Because you're in the process of assigning, and someone comes out and said, I got married. And now yeah. you have we'll, to go no, in we, with we, spending we, million. We will be locking that down. Yeah, please. Again, I don't want them yo-yoing people. It's a small universe, 317 people. We should know their status. That's basically we, we, what we are we talking We know all of that information. Yeah, and the obligation, the burden is on them to income qualify their status if they reneged on that. And as a result of that, we can provide the services on time we have for them. The burden is on them. To, to uh, you understand, and so they are burdened, and again, it's that uh, we providing this opportunity or whatever. We that's why their status needs to be any deviation in their status. Their burden is supposed to notify the people so that we can take that into account. Now, during the time that we are trying to make decision to place them, and then you come out, you need to bedroom, and all along. So again, we're going to refine help to getting this stuff here so that. It doesn't because accountability is what we are talking about here. The burden on the residents is to be upheld. Okay. Um, yeah, I yes. Think, I think clarifying, like uh, again, you know, we should know how many of those legacy. What is the status of, as as Director Fay and, and Director Richardson have said? Um, we sh we should know that because we don't want it coming out. You know, when these. Um, assignments are made or the that you have to vacate by whatever date that that they say we were never contacted we we don't want to be put in that position so hopefully I mean hopefully we have those those data and you're nodding your head so we do have that data good yeah. well, then give us some comfort of, uh, on it um, of course we want this to be done smoothly it's very delicate we understand that it's about people's housing, and um, but I'm just very surprised that there aren't, there isn't more of a subscription to um, the units that are available. Yeah. Thank. You. Okay. So thank you. Are there any comments from the public? Okay. Seeing none. Next item, please. Item number eleven: discussion of future agenda items by directors. Uh, I think. I think none. No. Okay. All right. I mean, oh. we talked about it before, but yes. the park. The park's park operations and um, organization. Okay. Then I think we can adjourn. Thank you. Yay. Thank you. Adjourn. Thank you. I, I like the fact that we're <laughs>